time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes roundtable regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Hi, Paul. Good morning. Good to be here. And um, on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Hi, Henry. Uh, Thank you, Tom. And hi, Paul morning, Henry. And last but not least, joining uh, our roundtable regulars is political operative Bobby Clayton Walton. Hi, Bobby. Hey, guys. Hi, Bobby. Morning, Bobby. Morning. Well, as you all know, and most of our regular listeners, I always uh, start out with uh, a series of quotes, the first one being the finish the quote, where I ask how you would finish this quote and it is always vote for principle though you may vote alone and you may cherish the sweetest reflection that what how would you finish this quote Hmm. warms your heart (laughs) of the future i don't know that's that's a tough one here's here's the original here's go ahead henry well i was going to say that gives you pause to become a better human being well, here's, here's the original quote. Always vote for principle, though you may vote alone, and you may cherish the sweetest reflection that your vote is never lost. 
Great thought. Awesome. You know, uh, any any guesses, Paul, on who might have said that? Oh, uh, gee, I'm just trying to think. Uh, well, I won't leave you hanging. It was John Quincy Adams. Hello. Did I lose you? Let me try this again. Is everybody there? Jeez, I think I lost everybody. Huh. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, uh... Oh, I see what happened. Ah, I see what happened. The uh, stream dropped. So we're going to reset. I'm on my. There you are. Hey, there you are. Yeah. Thank um, you. We lost you. Yeah, you did. And and what? Could you hear me at all? Fumbling around. No. No. Okay, it was dead silent. What happened was the uh, the stream dropped, which disconnected me from the call. But you were still there, so that saved me uh calling everybody individually to get reconnected but let's move yeah, on we were just about to, we were trying to decide whether to hang up and call back or what <laughs> well i <laughs> i still want to hear the answer i want to hear the that's answer. right <laughs> oh i'm is that when it cut out the uh yeah. the person who did that quote now I'll, I'll say the quote again always vote for principle though you may vote alone and you may cherish the sweetest reflection that your vote is never lost that came from john quincy adams Oh, oh, it goes. Yeah, he was back. an interesting wow. historical character. Yes, yes, that's was. true. Yeah. Only yeah, man the only the only president sort of that went after back and Yeah, he was the only one that went back and served in Congress after he was that's president. That's right. And served almost what twenty years, approximately, in the House. I think maybe more right. than that. After his do you, rem- do you remember that um, that terrible case of the slave ship, the Amistad? Where sure. they revolted. Well, he was the one who argued the case before the Supreme Court. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Ah. And I, yeah. As a matter of fact, if I'm not Thank mistaken, you, I think, I think he didn't he die in the house in the late in no he the died right 40s? after. I don't well, he remember. died right after Jefferson. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's John Adams. Yeah. Yeah. Were, no, was, that wasn't that wasn't Jefferson John Quincy. Yeah. That was. No, that was that was the stand. But I think John Quincy served into the house into the 1840s. I think uh, I think uh, somewhere I read he died at his at his station, so to speak, in 1845, 46, 48, somewhere in that era. I think. Yeah, yeah he was think- really he was really interesting. Henry, you're thinking yeah. of John Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. John Quincy Adams. Yeah, before um, the July kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, both of them dying on the Fourth of July, um, right? But uh, yeah, and and I just I certainly can't imagine a president in this day and age wanting to go back and serve in the in the House. I can't even imagine them wanting to go back to Washington D.C. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, the uh, the quote of the week, 
and I, everybody's going to guess this one, in my nearly five decades of public service, I have never publicly endorsed any political candidate. The comments attributed to me without my permission in the GOP campaign ad were taken out of context from a broad statement yep. I made months ago about the efforts of federal public health officials. Joe Biden. Yeah. 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 It was Dr. Anthony Fauci. He uh, did oh. not consent to being mm -hmm. featured in a new advertisement from the Trump campaign touting President Trump's handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Instead, the nation's leading infectious disease expert told CNN his words were taken out of context. When this happens, should the ads be banned from broadcast? You would, you would think if they're they unfair, but but I see they're still they're yeah. still running. I, I saw them last these last they night are. Or this morning. I yeah, think I the know. issue is who would ban them. Yeah, who would do that? Who has authority? Other right Maybe the FCC. Maybe the support to do that. Who? Well, it it because the Constitution makes it very clear that it is organs of government that does that. The uh, FCC overseeing television stations used to require truth in yeah. advertising and you know fair equal time and, and some of those other things well as they've become deregulated over the years starting with Reagan um, they're having less impact on that and the TV stations who about some things are pretty good about self-governing make way too much money off of political advertising to ever oh, yeah. tell yeah. someone to go. Well, ahead. now they they really can't tell the difference between truth and fiction. There's a there's no way to tell what is truth. Well, they don't have anybody in house that does the research. Here's what I was questioning: whether he, as a government employee, should be used in any political advertisement because um, he's not an elected official or up for being elected or even appointed. He's He's actually a civil servant, and um, and it seems to me that there's something about the Hatch Act or something else involved there as well. Yeah, good point, Bobby. Yeah, yeah. But like, I'm surprised the campaign hadn't pulled him. After all the criticism that that the campaign got, you would think for from their own self-interest <coughs> they pulled the ads off. But as I say, they're still running. Well, yeah. the, the Bobby, did did you just uh, refer to the Hatch Act? Yeah. Is that what I heard that? Well, the Hatch Act only pertains to uh, governmental officials or people who well, work. Well, he is a governmental official. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. There's a question. He's a federal employee. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because I, would, I remember. An interesting when question. I, yeah, when I, worked, when I worked for the federal government, I was allowed to have a bumper sticker. I was allowed to, um, I could contribute to candidates. I couldn't speak in public for any candidate because I worked for the federal government. Mm -hmm. I think you, you ask a very good question that needs some research. Yeah, it's, it's tempting to put Fauci in kind of a class by himself because of his expertise and to have him weigh in on a, on a particular point about which he's knowledgeable seems appropriate, but, but to miss represent things he's said um but it, but it isn't exactly like the president or his campaign to back away because of criticism <laughs> that's true yeah yeah 
Any publicity is good publicity on your side of the street. <laughs> that's that's been the name of the game for the last four years. Yeah. And and I noticed something uh, something different in the past. Um, political ads. There there are two types. There there are the ones that talk about how great somebody is and and about their vision, you know, of a great city on the hill or, you know, whatever. And then they're the ones that say the other guy's a bum. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and there used to be this, this unspoken rule that if you were going to attack your opponent, you did your disclaimer at the front of the ad. So by the end of the ad, people kind of forget that you said you endorsed the ad. But if it was all nice and upbeat, you you put your disclaimer at the end, so people will remember. Oh, that was you know so and so. Right. And it uh, it's all bets are off now. Yeah, I don't think there's any requirement on where you place the disclaimer. No, there so there isn't. But but there was this kind of rule of it thumb. It was it yeah. was sort yeah. of a um, just a marketing axiom that they'll remember the last thing they heard and if you're saying something terrible you don't want the last thing they heard to be you saying you endorse it right well that's a matter of personal choice i guess yeah and and what i was saying is it was it was pretty reliable i mean you could kind of tell um you know if if uh you know joe biden comes on and says i'm joe biden and i approve this message and the message starts you go oh boy this is gonna be a good one yeah. <laughs> and and uh, you know and and the reverse was true you know if it just comes on so Joe Biden's a great guy and everything and then at the end he says this is Joe Biden and I approve this message and the same thing with the Trump campaign or you know where you, where I'm seeing it the most is with um, James and and uh, Peters yeah that's true yeah yeah partly because I'm seeing so many ads but but that that rule that that old adage that if you're going to say something bad you don't want people to remember that you endorsed it is just gone by the wayside yeah i think so well you know there's a whole cadre of 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 professionals that are doing the designing and uh, marketing and everything of these advertisements Uh, i don't know that the candidates are that much involved anyway um we've got we've got We've got about 60 seconds left before we go to break, and I just wanted to ask one thing because I heard something in a John James or in a uh, Gary Peters ad attacking John James's record. What record? Yeah, <laughs> it's a very sketchy. Well, I mean, military record. Well, he's got he a military, military record. record. He's been in. Yeah. He's been in business, but he has no public record. Yeah, he's, he's, he's he hasn't been elected true. to anything, so. You know, but but the you know they're they're talking about these position positions he's taken, and when they talk about you know look at his record of of what you know he didn't vote on anything you know he he may have made comments that were derogatory yeah, about some, some issue. And all that, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of peculiar. We're going to take a short break. We've got lots more armchair politics coming up with uh, our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by political operative Bobby Clayton Walton. And uh, don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back. 
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bai from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. The beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artists who made them famous. You'll thrill to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Valley Sunday by the Monkeys, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel, and who can ever forget this all-time classic... Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jeff Snareplane, Lotharian hand people, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, Golden Protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70K. Just- Tom Sumner. 
TomSumnerProgram.com The Tom Sumner Program.com This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues uh, for this week's edition on the Tom Sumner Program with Paul Rosicki, Henry Hatter, and Bobby Clayton Walton. Welcome back, everybody. Um, hey. Thank you. It's good to be here. Got another, got another quote for you, and uh, I, I suspect you'll probably figure out who this is. I do believe that there are still serious threats that groups like this group, these domestic terrorists, are finding comfort and support in the rhetoric coming out of Republican leadership from the White House to our State House. And so I remain concerned about safety and integrity going up to this election. Governor. Yeah, that was uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer when she was on Face the the Nation Sunday. Host Margaret Brennan asked if security threats still exist after the arrests were made on the 13 men who plotted to storm the Michigan State Capitol and arrest her. And a lot of media reports made a big deal out of the fact that they wanted to do it before Election Day. Do you think that threats to Whitmer and other elected officials will subside following the November election? Mm, all I can no. say is I hope so. I hope so. But yeah, <clears> I, don't, <throat> it's worse, I don't think. It's very worrisome. Well, yeah. I don't think the, the state that we're in right now, we've divided this nation so badly, it may be a threat to the entire democracy and whether democracy should proceed. Well, you know, there, there is part of this. Yeah. Part of the story also included the second governor. Governor of New Jersey was also apparently a target yes. by some of these groups, at least by some, some stories. So, it's in Virginia. But, yeah, but when you when go ahead, Bobby. No, I was just going to say the governor of Virginia was on their list also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just the craziest but, kind of plot. <clears throat> One of these James Bond's you know, spy thriller kind of things. If if it wasn't really happening, you'd say it was a totally made up story. It's, it's really a wild story. Well, it just goes to show you, you you can't make this stuff up. That's right. That's right. But when you have men and women, the very principal part of culture divided um, and pulling off into their own areas, and the kids are left behind to decide which whether to take the fork in the road, that creates a lot of uncertainty for the future. And then we're all racially divided, we're gender divided, we're uh, just divided in so many multiple ways. And the people who are running for president think they can put this back together. Well, it waits to be seen. You know, I think... 500 years from now... Go ahead, Henry. 500 years from now, as people go back and rethink creating a new government, would they consider a democracy a worthwhile? Exists and has all of the problems good, good of other governments. Five hundred years from now, somebody's going to find uh, <laughs> President Trump's cell phone and and look at the <laughs> tweets and go, "What? <laughs> what was going on in that country?" Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, we, you know, you know this one, started one this started a long time ago. It's just that it's not coming up to a full boil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one big worry we have is the, the legitimacy of the election. I mean, with some bizarre things happening already. I mean, not only the 
attempts at voter suppression and the worries about you know the rumors about mail-in voting. But some of the stunts where they're they're putting fake uh, ballot drop boxes in some states. Oh yeah, but yeah, but you know the, the biggest controversy about the about that situation in Texas um, that that was uh, the GOP. Um, yeah. Put drop boxes in a bunch of different locations, and then Democrats screamed bloody murder because they the signage said "official ballot drop box." Right, right. And it was not something that was issued by the clerk or the secretary of state. It was done by a political party. It and it was it was really kind of a harmless boo boo. You know, it, it, for all the controversy it caused, it was really, you know, the GOP should have just identified it as, you know, GOP drop box, you know, we'll take these and make sure that the clerk gets them or something, you know, instead of saying official. But, you know, the words, words matter, but for some reason people don't seem to believe that anymore. Now, whether it was an accident or not remains to be seen, but it's just a bizarre story in, in this context that raises all kind of questions. Yeah, it does. It does. It, there are too many opportunities for mischief. What happened to the paper ballot and the pencil? You know, really? Yeah, I kind of yeah. like that way. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Now it seems like everything's folded and spindled and mutilated. Anyway, speaking of uh, politics, proposed recall language against two city council members has been rejected as unclear by the Genesee County Elections Commission. The commission voted two to one against language targeting Ward 3 Councilman Santino Guerra and 3 to 0 against language aimed at Ward 2 Councilman Maurice Davis in a meeting Monday. The recall language against Guerra was filed by Richard Jones of East Dewey Street while Audrey F. Young of Kirkwood Lane filed proposed language against Davis. Technical problems with the virtual meeting of the Elections Commission prevented the petitioners from speaking during the Monday meeting. Jones said uh, Guerra should be forced to face the recall because he voted against overriding a mayoral veto of a council resolution to do all things necessary to immediately release funding being withheld by the city to pay W.T. Stevens for its work on water service line replacements. I can't possibly imagine why the commission thought that was difficult to understand. The, st- the councilman was doing what he is required to do. The, anyway, the city is holding uh, back money from the contractor in the event that remediation must be done on property it owns in the city where construction waste had been dumped. But here's here's the question that that occurred to me. Should the commission have postponed until the pit petitioners could be heard? 
maybe, yeah. I don't well, know, that you still know. doesn't advocate the fact yeah. that uh, the city commissioner was doing his job based on his ability, what he believed in, the information he had before him. I'm not and, saying it uh, would have changed outcome. the outcome, but as as a matter of form, they've they've gone. You know, we've we've had to do these these technical, you know, virtual electronic meetings, and they had some kind of glitch. They they had prepared and and allowed time for the petitioners to speak on behalf of their petitions, and and like I said, I, I doubt if it would have changed anything, but you know as a matter of of course and uh, courtesy if they shouldn't have said well if the petitioners don't get to speak we should probably table these things until we can get these technical glitches straightened out yeah you know, I, I think that would have been probably Go ahead. yeah i Go was going to say i sat i sat in on one of those hearings a few years ago and i don't recall if the petition, petitioner spoke they probably did I don't recall. I'd be interested in knowing who was the one vote that didn't vote against it. Well, you know, I, I, I think uh, Tommy raised a very good question. The prudent thing to do was to hear the petitioners. And then, based upon the information that you have after that, you make your judgment. That's democracy. I think the petitioners can take it to circuit court on an appeal. I'm not Probably. sure, but I know if you were, if you are the yeah. subject of the recall and they rule that it's clear language, you can take it to the circuit court. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Yes, I think so. But well, again, in, in, in Flint, we tend to overuse that recall. Every time look, somebody looks at you in a cross-eyed or in a funny way, we try and recall somebody or if they vote the wrong way on some issue. Well, and that's the um, other question. Do you think these yeah. are frivolous recalls? True. I think it was frivolous. Yeah. Well, on a, on a similar note, the Flint City Council canceled its meeting Monday after oh, yeah. the Michigan Supreme Court decision just hours earlier rejected Governor Gretchen Whitmer's request to delay removal of the emergency powers related to COVID-19, including allowing for virtual meetings at local governments. A public notice from Council President Monica Galloway and Vice President Maurice Davis announced the cancellation, saying the city is now without authority. And this hadn't occurred to me uh, to hold an electronic meeting until the State House and Senate adopt or act to adopt House Bill 6207 and Senate Bill 1108, amending the Open Meetings Act to allow for electronic meetings. The Council's uh, meeting Monday had been scheduled to start at 5.30 p.m. The public notice from Galloway and Davis did not say when the next Council meeting would take place. Should they consider meeting in person? No. Same conditions as a virtual Yeah. Meeting. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, the uh, conditions oh. are still there that they, they made them go virtual to begin with. It's really not much better now than it was several months ago when they first began that process, it seems to me. And besides, they must meet in a public place, a place that belongs to the public. They cannot go to a restaurant or to their homes, but they must meet in a public place that's owned by the people. Uh, right. I was wondering, Henry, does, does this apply to all public meetings, including school boards and so forth? Are school boards yes, in the same yes. situation? I think well, so. you don't dare meet outside of anything but 
public places for school board meetings. Well, no, I'm saying so. So many things are, meet, are been meeting virtually so far. I'm mean, so many meetings have been virtual. And and that's and, the uh, thing that are they are are they all in that same kind of bind the city council is now where they can't meet at all. Well, yeah, they, and that was if another. They fall th- under the open meetings law. I think you're right. If they fall under the open meetings law, I think the thing about the emergency declaration is it gave them a waiver under the open meetings law, and now that 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 um, emergency declaration has been declared null and void, then the waiver is gone. Yeah, the authority yeah. isn't isn't yeah. there to do it, and I, you know, that hadn't occurred to me. You know, I just thought people practicing. Uh, you know, uh, moving forward with safe practices was going to be optional. It hadn't occurred to me that this also struck down the ability for school boards and city councils and, and uh, uh, the uh, another group that had to cancel uh, their meeting was the um, Ethics Advisory uh, Board. You know, another thing that makes this all make sense is if you meet other than a public place, it's called a secret meeting, and you will be excoriated by the press, the people, the political machinery, and you will n- never get over it. Well, not only that, you'll be violating law. Yes, the, yeah. yeah, sure. Yes, yeah. yeah, violating law. But I assume yeah, a virtual really, meeting is considered the a government, public place, That puts right? the government in a real bind. All the local governments, you've got your county commission, your city councils. Yeah. Well, and that's and I think that's why uh, um, the city, in its statement and and the coverage of this, pointed to uh, acts in the legislature now that would, uh, you know, amend the open meetings act so that yeah. uh, those those bodies will have the um, you know the authority to make that determination when appropriate. Yeah, they need to get that done quickly because we can't do without government. Well, the other question I was going to ask, do things go better when they don't meet? (laughs) Well, that's like saying (laughs) when the police are on strike and the crime rate goes down, are those two related, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, community members, local officials, and supporters celebrated the grand opening of a free water testing lab in Flint that fosters STEM education, job skill training, and trust in the community and after uh, or amid rather the Flint water crisis. The Mackenzie Patrice Croom Flint Community Lab, also known as the Flint Community Lab, on uh, Martin Luther King Avenue was celebrated in person and virtually with a ribbon cutting on Friday. The space uh, located inside the Flint Development Center aims to provide a trusted community-based lab for Flint residents for free water testing of lead and other pollutants, according to lab officials. Is this a great way to rebuild trust in the municipal water supply and the officials who manage it? No, guys, you got to remember that. <clears throat> Drinking water is the most regulated commodity <clears throat> in the United States, and it must come from central sources that are supported by all institutions. It's a very complex thing. You can't take and put something isolated from the system and make it the the source of of expertise. It's got to run through the system, through EPA, the DNR, the Water Resources Commission, etc. You cannot establish this. Yeah. 
as, yeah, as but Tom I think, says, restoring trust is the key thing. I mean, that's, that was the greatest loss, I think, with the Clinton water crisis is the loss of trust in the system in general, and it's going to be a very slow, <coughs> tedious process to rebuild that. Maybe this is a step in that direction. I don't know. Yeah, now, I think if this... Go ahead, Bobby. If this is endorsed. Oh, I was going to say, I think that that is the issue, is the trust issue, and I think people, when they feel like they have some control over something or they have some input or they have some way of trusting um, that what they ask for they get is the issue, and if they're able to get their water tested, whether the test is accurate or not, the trust factor might, might be restored. Yeah, but, I hadn't, uh, that I, hadn't occurred to me, Henry, that... Uh, that that the testing itself might be flawed and actually, I don't know, potentially make matters worse. If they were endorsed by a great public, highly respected uh, university, like Kettering, University of Michigan, like Penn, Penn State or something like that, they may get some traction, but they will never get any traction without endorsements from institutions. And I'd, want to know, want to, I'd want to know who's funding them. That's a good question, and I'm not sure that it was um, identified who was doing it. I, If I yeah. were to speculate, I would say maybe the Ruth Mott Foundation. But hmm. They should have sources of expertise there on the, on the Mott. Uh, Ruth Mott Foundation that understands all of these legal things that you can't do. You got to be cautious, no matter who you are. And they may have been convinced by uh, an organization that put the bite on them. And yet well, they must they, stand up to this they, because that's not good government. In general, yeah, yeah. yeah it seems to me that in order for the Mott Foundation to fund anything, they would have to have had a proposal or a request, and there would have to be an existing organization with some sort of a yes. proposal. Or anybody that's funding we, it, it would seem like that would be so. We want to see the city of Flint come back gracefully, with authority, with confidence, and moving in the direct, right direction so that all people support them. But they can't do it this way. They gotta step you don't, out you don't think this is a, a, a good first step, that, that people can independently check their water and and confirm that what they're being told by officials is uh, true and accurate? Oh, I have, I have no problem with that. But the, the authority that they would waive would be minimal. They can do that, yes. I think it's a great idea. Hold, but their it's data will be challenged by... Yeah, their data will be challenged by the health department by the DNR, by EPA, et cetera. Because so, they are responsible for public health and safety in the last analysis, not this little lab setting out on a desert. Well, I think one of the problems is is that those agencies go into uh, you know people's homes. They have uh, test sites that, that they monitor, and um, you know they come out with their reports and people feel like those reports have not been accurate or truthful in the past and you know so this this idea that they can get a second opinion yeah is is maybe an important first step in uh, you know getting getting the people you know to 
get some trust going again that what they are being told by those official agencies and regulators is uh, is true. Yeah. Well, they don't need any legal approval for that. They don't need that. Yeah, I think a second opinion idea is a good one. But yeah, I, I'd I want to so. know more about the organization and who was funding them if I was... Uh, yeah, I think I that's think fair. Well. And, and you know, I just grabbed a little piece of the story that said community members, local officials, and, and supporters celebrated the opening. Well, you know, there's uh, job skill training, STEM education going on as part of this program. So I suspect that there is grant funding for it probably from uh, either one of the MOTs or the Community Foundation. And um, I, I suspect that there's some expertise, as, as Henry suggests there ought to be, from um, at least one or more of the area colleges. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the la- what they need is they need accuracy. The last thing they need is to have to, to do this, and then six months from now somebody says, oh, they were all wrong, they didn't know what they were doing, there goes your trust out the window one more time. So you need right. to be yep. accurate and, you know, doing the right thing. You know, Wayne State had a program going here for a while, I don't know if they still do, that dealt with the water crisis. They were located at the Broom, the Broom Village, Broom Center, for a while. I don't know if they're still there. Yeah. Yeah, we talked yeah, about... Yeah, you might remember... We talked about Wayne State um, last year sometime. Um, there was um, they were they were under contract by the state, and the state pulled their contract and gave it to a country from Norway or Sweden or someplace, and uh, because they didn't like the results that they were getting. Mm-hmm. And and there was uh, a little might... bit of a controversy about it. In fact, the state kind of slammed um, the uh, Sean McElmory and and his team from Wayne State um, for coming up with you know questionable results. Questionable results because it made the state look bad. You uh, might yeah. remember that this is not the first time that uh, state institutions have been challenged. If you go back 25 years ago to uh, uh, charter schools, they started in Detroit. All of a sudden, this group decided to go out and develop charter schools. And it was mostly for black, for uh, <coughs> residents of the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And uh, this became a great controversy at State Board of Education and uh, the other institutions pertaining to education. But what they found when they tested the results is that the students had not achieved certifiable goals. And, uh, of course, this still remained a a very uh, controversial issue. So they they passed the law and made charter schools, depending on new stipulations, part of the public school uh, uh, community. And now charter schools are the same as any public school institution, but they must meet certain standards. But in the beginning, they did not meet those standards. And the same thing pertained to labs. 
who say that we're here to protect public health and safety. On that note, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at 4 in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. 
You take our Hoffman orange. It's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman study sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you. Could you be happy if your name this was This is Sasparilla? U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the... Uh, uh, this week's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter joined by political operative Bobby Clayton Walton. Uh, Michigan Speaker of the House Lee Chatfield is criticizing Governor Gretchen Whitmer for not warning legislators about the alleged plot to abduct the governor, kill police officers, and attack the state capitol in Lansing. Chatfield, uh, a Republican from Levering, called out Whitmer in a series of tweets Saturday for failing to notify Capitol lawmakers who, according to the FBI, were also under threat by the state militia group known as the Wolverine Watchmen. He asked the governor to cooperate more with state legislators and tone down partisan rhetoric. Um, is the governor guilty of the same kind of partisan rhetoric that she has accused President Trump and Republican legislative leaders of in both Washington and Lansing? Mm. Well, I, I think, think so. Some of that, but... I, from my perch, I see parts of that. And, you know, I don't hold uh, President, uh, the, our president irresponsible for uh, these these kind of matters, because there's enough blame to go around, so he's part of the situation that we understand. But I also see the governor as part of that, playing the same kind of politics. We need to work better together. We need to be able to compromise, or we will lose this country. And nobody's seen. Everybody's talking, and nobody's thinking, and nobody's trying to find a solution. It is part of the atmosphere now. I mean, it certainly comes out of the White House an awful lot. The only question I had about that particular issue was, was it, was it the governor's duty to do that or the security personnel, the FBI and so forth? I, mean, I really don't know the answer, but in terms of informing the legislature, should the, the FBI have done that or other security personnel or is it the governor's job? I, I don't know. You raised well, a good question, Paul. Why did he yeah. Well, here's what Why I thought. It? The first thing I thought of when, when that became an issue was um, if you're investigating any activity that, that would be illegal or questionable or dangerous, would you want it to, to be known largely enough so that the people you're investigating are aware that there's somebody yeah. in their midst that's wired and, and getting, getting evidence from them? I think telling the legislature is just inviting all kinds of leaks and potential problems. But I would exactly. think it would be up yeah. to the FBI if they wanted to notify leadership. But yet the governor is the chief legislator of the state. and She is, has absolute vision of where the state needs to go and have, are in touch with all of the citizens, the 9 million citizens of the state of Michigan. It is her obligation to make sure that there are no dark spots in, no, in government, and it should be always transparent. She, she needed cannot. to talk to someone. She, she, you know, I don't, you can't be transparent when you've got an undercover investigation going on. 
Yeah, yeah but I, it's I, her responsibility. I, she has to go to people that she trusts, and then she could prompt them to do that same kind of thing. There are ways to get it done and, the, well, and protect the public's interest. This way, I don't I think, think the that public's she interest is. into keeping our elected officials whole and alive and, and not abducted. I don't know whether you can do that or not, but she must make the effort. You know, one of the spinoffs of this is is where do you go with the whole guns in the Capitol kind of situation? I mean, after this, are we still going to allow people to walk in to the Capitol with uh, AK-47s and other similar kind of arms? I mean, it it was crazy to begin with, but even more so now, it seems to me. Extremely intimidating. Yeah. Have you ever been down to the Capitol when they're marching in front of the Capitol with those guns slung over their shoulders? No, I, I, have I, no, I haven't. I haven't. No. I have, and it's very intimidating. It's very scary. You walk, you walk down, and you're going in for some hearing or something. I've been there for that, and it's, you know, show your guns day. And you don't know what there might be a crazy person pulling out and start shooting. It's just really scary. Well, apparently, apparently two, two of the accused were, were at one of those anti-Whitmer marches. Uh, two of the, the accused uh, Michigan Watchmen types were at, the, were at those marches, apparently. Right. But and we have policemen that are, that are dedicated to protect us against all of this. Still, we must not let the anarchists take over. It's the police department. The police department is obligated to protect us or find but a way But they cannot to stop what protect. hasn't happened. The no, no, they have cannot. Authority. Yeah, they that's only the have authority that we, once a crime. But that's the risk we take for being alive. That's the human yeah. risk. That's the human condition that we have to face every day. But we don't it's not have going to have away. People, we don't have to have people in our courthouse or our public facilities carrying weapons. You can't carry weapons. I agree. I'm on your side. I'm on your side. Yeah. Yeah, I say, what strikes me as bizarre is you can't walk into the Capitol with a campaign sign or a yard sign, but you can walk in there with an automatic or a semi-automatic weapon. That's right. You have to leave your signs outside the door. You can't carry them in. Maybe the pen is mightier than the sword. Yeah, by the way, can you bring swords into the Capitol? I know about guns, but how about swords? I've, I've <laughs> never that issue. Bobby, what I've about the sheriff? What about the sheriff of Barry County that called this a citizen's arrest? I saw that story. Good God! Yeah, that's actually uh, that's actually the next thing uh, up on the list here. But I, I just wanted to share this with you, Bobby. I've not been to one of those rallies in Lansing when they're carrying the guns, but years ago. I was uh, at a private party in in a uh, hotel suite in, uh, I think it was Birmingham, Alabama. And there was a lot of drinking and foul language and the things that you normally expect at a private party. um, Until people started showing off their guns. And they were setting them out on the bar in this suite, and you know, look, look at this one, and look, at, and I left. Yeah, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. That's scary. That's scary. Yeah, mixing. Yeah, you, know. you just don't. You just don't know. I was visiting my daughter in Kentucky. We had a big family gathering down there, and one of their local friends, who was a bit of a gun nut, they were all drinking beer, and he pulled out his gun. Um, they were sitting outside, and I had to go inside. You know. 
Drunk yeah. people with guns? No. Yeah, see, I'm... Bobby, I'm, you and I are on the same page. I'm, I want I'm, you to know that. I'm good with yeah. the drinking and talking dirty, but when the guns come out, it's, it's last call for me. Anyway, right. yeah. yeah. Put a lampshade on your head, but don't pull out your gun. Yeah, Check exactly. Well, the old, the old, the old, I uh, go the other way. When, when, there are, when there are official settings like that, I just move the other way. I don't go to places where and invite myself into places where I might get hurt or get killed. or. Well, or see, this didn't, this didn't start out that way. You know, it was it was something that you know people got a little liquored up, and, and the the conversation turned to guns, and it became show and tell. And I thought, yeah. there's a little too much alcohol, a little too much, yeah, you know, yeah. armed yeah. potential here, and, uh, and and so I bugged out, and and uh, and and so it would not be like me if I suspected people were going to be at a rally carrying guns and being threatening in nature. I wouldn't go. No, like I you said, don't want to walk anywhere near them. I'm like you. There was a reason in the old west they had to check your guns at the door when you went into the bar. <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to that? Why, why can't that, we? Yeah. Why can't we do that at the White Horse? You know, just have a little table, yeah. you know, by the door, and because Check all it. of the sheriffs get killed who demand it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And nobody knows who did it. I'm sure that probably <laughs> happened in the Old West, too. Probably. What do you mean, yeah, check my did. gun at the door? I'll, I'll show <laughs> you they, checking my gun. Not my gun. Not my gun. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have metal detectors. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, good old, good old technology. Well, yeah. we, uh, we actually are about two minutes out from our uh, top of the hour ID, but I'm going to go ahead and set this up, and we'll talk about it on the other side when we start uh, part two of Armchair Politics. Calls for the resignation of a Michigan sheriff who recently shared a stage with members of the Michigan Liberty Militia are growing louder. Barry County Sheriff Dar Leaf, who told M Live he knows a couple of the men who were arrested last week in an alleged plot to kidnap uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, spoke out against the governor at a May 18th rally alongside one of those men, William Bill Null. A protest seeking uh, Leaf's resignation was planned for 8 a.m. yesterday on uh, South Broadway Street near the uh, Barry Community Foundation building in Hastings. The building uh, is the site of a regularly scheduled bi-monthly commission meeting slated to begin at 9 a.m. The protest was organized by Middleville resident Olivia Bennett, who is calling for the Barry County Board of Commissioners to pass a resolution asking for Leaf's resignation. The event garnered interest of more than 160 people since Barrett posted the event on Facebook Saturday night. Um, and, and the question when we come back is going to be, should the county board join in calling for the sheriff's resignation? Um, and, and I'm curious to see what you, uh, what you think about that. And we'll have uh, that and more uh, state and... Uh, national news plus uh, of course we have the coveted x-files coming up uh, during the next hour and we'll revisit our schlocktober pick of the day 
and it's a it's a request by the way for uh i've i've been making a point because 2020 is such a special year to have a lot of new <laughs> new material this year but i had a request for one that was kind of a mainstay so we'll uh we'll hear from william shatner coming up uh toward the end of <laughs> toward the end of the next hour. But in the meantime, we're going to break for uh, show ID and we'll return with the second half of Armchair Politics. Hi, I'm Alexander Zajic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. Tom Sumner. 